Hi, everyone. This is Heather Welpley. Welcome to Grounded Wildness. I'm a speaker and award-winning author that works with women to break free from expectations and create their own rules for life. If you're tired of the weight of should and supposed to and want to have more joy and freedom in your life, this podcast is for you. Hello, hello. This is part two of how to ask for what you want. Part one happened two weeks ago and got into the barriers that get in the way of asking for what you want and how to start doing that in little ways, like getting just back in touch with your wants and your needs. And so if any of that sounds like something you need or Yeah, just go back and listen to that episode first. It's like a primer for what we're going to talk about in this one. Um, And before we dive into that, a couple of things. One, um, I usually use notes in Evernote, like they're up on the screen and I don't have tons of them, but they're definitely there. Um, And Evernote was having some issues today. So currently what I have is a post-it note in front of me with a couple of key points. And it's going to be a bit of an experiment. I'm actually kind of excited. I have a feeling it might actually be better. So we'll see. We will see how that all goes. Um, also, if you are watching this on YouTube, I have this like piece of hair that is just sticking straight up out of my head today and it's cracking me up and there's nothing I can do about it. And so anyway, I feel like I'm looking at myself in this video laughing at this like Whoever was that kid on the Little Rascals who had his hair, (laughs) that is what I look like right now. Um, So anyway, (laughs) this is the place, this is the place I am coming from today. Um, Also, before we get into how to ask for what you want, Grounded Wildness should, should be available on Amazon by the time you are listening to this. And I say should because... There have been a few snafus in the past week with Amazon. Um, <laughs> apparently, I'm just in a very laughy, laughy mood today recording this. Um, yeah, definitely the ebook and hardcover should be up there unless something really crazy happens. Audiobook hopefully will be up there. We had an incorrect file that was uploaded, so it was rejected and then resubmitted. And we're going back and forth on that. And then there's a companion journal that will hopefully also be up there. Um, has also had something in the cover that was rejected. So there, yeah, it's been an interesting week with Amazon. <laughs> um, so we'll put a link to the main page in the show notes, but. Yeah, the cool thing about Amazon is that, uh, well, one, it's really easy access to the ebook and audiobook. So if you're more of an ebook or audiobook listener, reader, they'll be up there. Um, and then it's also, those two are also available globally, which is super cool. Like, I can't, it's just cost prohibitive for me to ship books outside the United States. And so, it's really awesome that the ebook and audiobook can be up on Amazon. The journal should be up there too, um, globally as well. Hardcover paperback won't be available yet globally. It will be at some point later in the year. The paperback will be. So I'll let you know when that's available. Um, but at least the ebook and audiobook will be up there. So if you're outside the US anywhere, you'll be able to read Grounded Wildness, which is awesome. So Yeah, if you're on my email list, you'll be getting all the updates of when everything really is truly available. If you're not on my email list, I'll put a link in the show notes for that as well. So those are all the updates. 
And as always, Grounded Wildness, you can get signed hardcover copies on my website, which is heatherwellplay.com backslash Grounded Wildness. We'll put a link in the show notes to that as well. Interestingly, if you are in the US, the hardcover is actually going to be cheaper for you to buy on my website than it will be on Amazon. Uh, It's the same listing price, but it includes shipping on my website. So yeah, you get shipping included and a signed hardcover copy. So, you know, buy wherever you want to buy, but know you're getting a little extra for a little cheaper on my website. There we go. Grounded wildness updates. That was the first thing on my post-it note. So we're good. Um, All right. Now let's dive into how to ask for what you want. And you heard in the last episode, if you listened to it, that this subject came up for me because I was watching and observing all of these little scenarios where women were not asking for what they wanted or kind of like couching what they wanted in like the, oh, but only if it's not too much trouble, if it's not too much of a burden, or I'll just have a little, a little something instead of really saying like, this is what I want. This is what I want. And I'm going to ask for it. And you can ask and be direct and be kind all at the same time. And so that's what prompted this topic. And that's why we started out with the little things in the last episode, because that's what I was seeing. Like I was seeing these situations that were the little things. And I also knew from working with women, from my own personal experiences, that these little things are indicative of bigger things. Like if we can't ask for what we want on a bagel or for dinner, (laughs) um, that it's going to be really hard to ask for the bigger things that you want. And, And big things might be things like a compensation increase, or it could just be asking for like your spouse to take care of the kids for an afternoon because you really need some time to yourself. So we're going to we're going to define big in a very wide variety of ways here. It's like anything anything bigger than those really little things I'm going to put into this category of big because everything I talk I'm going to talk about today covers all of those different types of scenarios. And I am going to get into some concrete things of how you can ask for what you want. And I also want to point out well, one, this is not a negotiation workbook. Like, There's a lot of great workshops out there in negotiation. I actually took one a couple of years ago, a one-on-one workshop for like two hours on negotiation, and it was super helpful. So there's some really great techniques out there that are kind of more, um, yeah, the more traditional negotiation techniques that can be really, really helpful. I also want to couch that in saying some of the negotiation techniques aimed at women specifically the ones aimed at women, really piss me off. They're not wrong. They're just really frustrating because these techniques feed into the rules women have been handed about how you're supposed to show up, how you're supposed to get other people to listen to you, what's okay and what's not. And like these stereotypes of how we are supposed to be as women and they work to a degree at least, and they're also super annoying. So for example, one you've probably heard, 
uh, like just smile a little bit more smile while you are asking for what you want or be warm, be warm, smile, effuse kindness and empathy while you are asking for what you want. And you'll be more likely to get what you want because as women, we are supposed to be kind and empathetic and warm and effuse happiness and cheerfulness and optimism. And it probably will work. So you get to decide whether you want to take that or not. It also just super, super annoys me that that even has to be part of the conversation. And actually a client I'm working with, really amazing woman, just recommended a book to me uh, that is actually called You Should Smile More. Uh, And I think it's taking this whole notion apart, not uh, not recommending it. Um, but that's because this has been such a big thing that women have been told for so long, just smile a little bit more, like leadership by smiling, negotiation by smiling. And I will say like, I, I naturally smile quite a bit and I do think it has helped me. So take that or leave it, but I do find it really frustrating. Um, the other thing that I find frustrating is some of the negotiation techniques that are out there, particularly when you hear about like negotiating your compensation and things like that are like to somehow couch your negotiation in the benefits to others. Like that you asking for a compensation increase is doing so on behalf of your entire team or the team will benefit in some way. So not just result. And again, I'm not, I'm not, doesn't matter. Like it's good to do things if you're a leader that will benefit your team or things like that. And also that's because as women, we're supposed to be acting on part of other people. We're supposed to be caring about other people more than we care about ourselves and all of these rules. And that's why that negotiation technique exists and why I find it really frustrating. So I wanted to point out a few of those things. Again, take them, leave them, take part of them, leave part of them, do whatever you want with them. I felt like I needed to say something about how they can be effective and that they are also totally based in rules and stereotypes. You get to decide, take it or leave it. So that is uh, point number one. That wasn't even on my post-it note. So, you know, we're doing well here. The first thing or the second thing I should say that was on my post-it note is a deeper question. In the last episode, we talked about getting connected with those little wants and needs that you have as a gateway to start getting connected to the bigger ones. And a question that can help you to get connected to those bigger ones is, what are you longing for? So not just what do you want, but what are you longing for? Like that deeper desire, that deeper thing that's within you, what are you longing for? I actually did a whole episode on this base uh, back in May called, like the entire episode is called, what are you longing for? So if that question resonates with you at all, go back and listen to that episode. Or if you aren't sure what you are longing for, go back and listen to that episode because it can really, really get at something deeper, much deeper and a part of your core. And I think some separation from the rules, like it's not just, oh, what do you want? Or what do you think would be good? It's like, what are you longing for? And you can ask that question really generally, just see whatever comes up for you. Or you can ask it in a certain part of your life. Like, what are you longing for in your career? 
What are you longing for in your relationship with your parents or your kids or your spouse or in your community or your friendships? What are you longing for in your free time? What are you longing for in your spirituality from a spiritual connection? And those questions, sometimes the broad ones, sometimes the specific ones, can help bring forward for you what you are longing for and what you truly desire, what you truly want, what's worth asking for. And so that that can that is like step one here is really asking yourself that question. It's a great one to journal on. It's a great one to meditate on, to go on a walk and just put it in the back of your mind, all, all of those things. What are you longing for? And then we get into the how-to. So we're getting into the how-to of how to ask for what you want. And I don't know if this next one, actually, I don't know if any of them, well, probably some of them would be in if you Googled how to ask for what you want. Probably some of these will be in there. This one is a deep one. It's a deep one that hits at our insecurities, that hits at all all the stuff. I'll just put it that way. It hits at all the stuff. And that is you have to know on some level that you are worth it. You have to know that you are worth asking for what you want. I don't personally believe you have to be 100% confident And like all of you knows that you are 100% worth it and you feel great and bold and confident, always asking for what you want. I think you can be scared and know that you're worth it at the same time. Like I don't think those two things have to be mutually exclusive, but you do. There needs to be some kernel inside of you that knows, that knows you are worth asking for whatever it is you are asking for. And that I think we talk about when we hear the word worth, we can automatically jump to money, which absolutely can be a part of it. Actually, I was just talking with a woman last week or the week before who negotiated for her compensation, I think for the first time in her entire career. And she said that one of the takeaways coming out of that was that she could forever, forever, from now until forever, know that she is allowed to stand on what she is worth and to know her own worth and ask for it in very concrete monetary terms. And that was amazing to hear. She did it for the first time and then can forever take that with her. Take that with her forever. And you can do that too when you find that peace inside of you that knows that you are worth it and you stand on that worth and ask for what you want. You get to take that experience with you forever, that you stood on the value of what you are worth and asked for it. But it can also go for non-monetary things as well, like asking someone for help. Like I'm in this place right now. I have launch parties coming up in both Minnesota and Colorado. If you're listening to this right away and want to get in on them, message me. (laughs) You can send me an email at heather at wellplayconsulting.com and I'll send you the details. But I'm having to ask for help with these, help for people to be there. And actually, like I can't run an entire launch party by myself. Like I need help there on the ground. And I'm also asking for help in people spreading the word, particularly in Colorado, where I don't know a ton of people yet. Like I've been here for three years, but I don't have an entire lifetime's worth of roots and connections here. 
And there's a part of me that has had to believe I'm worth it. The book is worth it. The event is worth it. Like all of these things are worth it in order to ask for help. So all of these things, and I will tell you, this gets hard if you don't believe that part of you is worth it. I think back, um, gosh, I can feel emotions coming up in me. You think these things are 100% taken care of, and then they they just touch a piece of you deep. I mean, for so many years, I did not believe that I was worth it when it came to going for what I wanted in romantic relationships. I didn't think I was desirable enough. I always thought I was lovable, which is like a whole beautiful, good category of worthiness. But I didn't think I was worth being desired. And because of that, I didn't go after what I wanted for a really long time. I would kind of go after it in like weird way, not weird, that's not the right way to say it, but in kind of fantasy ways or hoping ways, but not in any way that actually stood on my worth, that really where I could stand up and say, no, I know I'm worthy of being in a great romantic relationship. I'm worthy of a great man. I'm worthy of being desired, of being wanted. Like, I didn't believe that for a long time. And so I didn't ask for what I wanted. I didn't go after what I wanted because I didn't believe I was worth it. And the rules were handed that tell us we have to do something to be worthy were always the problem, not that I was actually not worthy of being desired. And if you feel that in any way, shape, or form, like for me, it was romantic relationships and my body and weight and all of these things that were conglomerated together, but it doesn't just have to be that. It can be feeling like you're worth it to ask for time for yourself, feeling like you're worth it to go after that next role, feeling like you're worth it to pursue something in your free time just for fun to see where it goes and see if it's enjoyable. I mean, Know that you're worth it to ask for time away or time off or to go on a vacation by yourself. I mean, like this can run the gamut across everything. And so if that that feels like a challenge for you, I would highly recommend Grounded Wildness. Again, the links will be in the show notes um, to both Amazon and my website because that really debunks on a really deep level. All of these ways we're told that we have to prove our worthiness in some way in order to be worthy for what we actually want, in order to be worthy for what we desire. And yeah, I mean, I can say the words here, but I can tell you they're gonna they're gonna impact you a lot more reading the book in detail. So I highly recommend diving deeper there if this feels like it's in any way, shape, or form either just resonating with you or getting in the way of asking for what you want in any part of your life. Because you do need to know that some part of you on some level is worth it to ask for what it is that you want. So that is a big, 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 huge piece of it. The second part is simply telling people. You have to tell people what you want in order for them to fulfill those desires, in order for them to help you get what you want. 
People are not mind readers. I know sometimes we want them to be, (laughs) but your spouse isn't a mind reader. Your manager isn't a mind reader. Your parent, your child, your friends, no one, no one out there is mind readers. And I know I've certainly had moments where I'm like, oh, can't, can't like, can't just people see, can't they just see what I really need and want and like step up and fulfill that? And, you know, occasionally it's amazing when that happens, but most of the time through no one's fault, they're not doing that because the combination of they don't know what you can't, what you aren't telling them, they don't know. And then we're all busy. Like we're not going around, you know, I think even as conscientious as we try and be and as helpful and there for our close friends that we want to be, like we can't, we can't keep everyone, can't keep everyone's needs and wants and desires holding them in our heads all the time. And so we can't expect other people to do that either. So you have to tell people what you want. And I remember a a friend of mine, I haven't seen in a long time now, but he's a a career coach and he would talk about this and he would talk about asking people, his name's Michael Thomas Sunderborg. Anyone wants to uh, go look him up, but he would have people like fill out essentially in your career, like both what do you want and what don't you want, which are both really important to know (laughs) in your career and in other parts of your life. What do you want and what don't you want? And then he would tell people, but talk about what you want. It can be really easy to talk about what you don't want, but that's not actually as helpful in getting what you want as telling people what you do want, because then they can be on the lookout for what you want. So this could be a mentor or a manager at work when you're looking to develop a certain skill at work. Um, It could be what you're looking for next in your career, different opportunities, if you tell them they can help you, they can be like in the back of their mind. And then when they hear about an opportunity that you're not in the room for, they can be like, oh, ding, ding, ding. Katie wants that. I heard Katie talk about that a few weeks ago. I'm going to go talk to her about this opportunity. I'm going to make sure that she knows it's available and it's out there in case she wants to apply, in case she wants to throw her hat in the ring. People have to know what you want in order to help you get what you want. And this goes for your personal life as well. A couple of years ago, I was working with a woman who really, really wanted and needed some time at home by herself with no one else in the house. She had two little kids and a spouse, and she needed some time in the house alone. Like this was this was what she was longing for, was time in the house alone. And I asked her, well, have you asked your, your spouse if that could work out? Like, could he take the kids for a while out of the house? And she was like, I haven't asked. And yeah, he totally could. Like there wasn't even any blockers for her asking. She just hadn't thought about it. It hadn't occurred to her that she could ask, that she could tell him what she really wanted in this scenario. And once she did, he said, yes, stepped in, took the kids away. And and this is a new thing for them, or at least at that time, I don't know the situation now, but it was really helpful to her. And it wasn't even hard. It just, she just had to do it. She had to think of it. She had to consider asking and then ask, ask for what you want, tell people what you want, and then they can help you fulfill it. Essentially give them the opportunity to say yes. So often we don't. I mean, I remember even when I, when I speak on imposter syndrome, sometimes I I bring up and I've definitely seen social media memes around this as well. It's like, don't self-reject, like don't self-reject for a job opportunity or, you know, things like that. But it definitely goes for outside of work as well. Like you have to 
Even if you're feeling doubt, put yourself in the ring. Tell people what you want. Ask for what you want instead of self-rejecting and never putting yourself out there in the first place. And I know it can be harder if you don't feel like you're worthy of it. So layers here. It's all the layers. They all go together. So that's part of it. Tell people what you want. And then the last one is one that has been personally really helpful for me. And it kind of it kind of contradicts what I was saying at the beginning about some of the things that frustrate me about the advice given to women about negotiation, about like negotiating on behalf of other people or like that somehow what you're negotiating for will positively impact others. It's a little bit contradictory to that, but it feels different to me. And it's been so helpful that I'm going to tell you that there have been several times when I have negotiated and in my mind, I tell myself that I am negotiating on behalf of women everywhere. Like this isn't just about me. It is about all women. And this has helped helped me in two very specific scenarios. So one was my first, I mean, I was in corporate jobs for 10 years. I only worked at two different companies. Um, And I, for the first eight years, I had a lot of different jobs during those eight years, the same company, but different jobs. I did not negotiate for my salary once. I remember in my last job, I was like, okay, this is the number I have in my head. This is the number I have in my head. If they don't offer me that number, I'm going to negotiate. But then I got offered that number. And still, still, even though that number met my expectations, I absolutely should have negotiated without a doubt. I should have negotiated on that number, even though it met my expectations, because the worst that they could say was no. So I didn't negotiate that time. But when I moved to my next job, when I changed companies, I negotiated going in. And part of that negotiation was based on data that I had. So there was definitely some concreteness to it. And also the energy behind it was partly for myself, because I was like, I am worthy. I deserve a higher, slightly higher salary than I deserve to negotiate on this. And also I felt this driving force because we know historically that women um, historically were not negotiating. And now the data has reversed a bit in that women are negotiating more, but aren't always getting it, which is a systemic issue. So I do want to bring that up as well. We should still ask. We should still negotiate for sure. Um, but there is there's things going on there. But the it helped me because I was like, I don't want to be part of that. Like I want to be part of breaking the cycle, not just for myself, but for women everywhere. And yes, I realized that like it wasn't that a hundred women or a million women knew that I was negotiating for my salary, but somehow. Somehow that made the energy of it really different, felt really good. It felt motivating. It felt like, yes, this is important. And I used that same energy probably like maybe a year or two ago when I was really, I was trying to decide what my speaking fee should be. I was super wobbly. I'm not going to lie. Like I was super wobbly in negotiation Um, basically sometimes I'd be like, well, what's your budget? Okay. I'll do that regardless of what my actual fee is or regardless of what it felt like I was quote unquote worth or the outcome or the results of it. And 
the impact on others because there is always significant impact on others and the results were there. Like without a doubt, the results were there from my speaking engagements. And I had to get really clear that I was not I was not just negotiating on behalf of myself. I deserved this also, leaning into what I was worth. And historically, similar to women in compensation as a whole, historically speaking, has been a quite predominantly male profession. That's not always true now, but historically that has been true. And still women are often paid less than men. And not only that, but what is allocated to women's events, and not just women, but like all underrepresented groups, often is less. Like inside of a company, like let's just be clear, what conference or what events gets more of a budget? The sales conference or the employee resource group? Like let's just be real honest about that. And apparently... Apparently, I'm just, yeah, getting real clear today (laughs) what I want to share with you. Uh, That was not in my original notes, I'll tell you. But I do feel like it's important to say that it's not just the person. It's the event as a whole. It is the budget that's being allocated. It is what companies are deeming worthy. And that's not all companies. A lot of companies are doing a great job, but it is some. And so when I got clear, when I got clear that, I did not want to be part of the problem of perpetuating that you could pay women less, that a company could pay women less, an association could pay women less. I did not want to be part of perpetuating that issue. And that gave me a lot of motivation to stick a lot harder to my fees. And yes, of course, sometimes I negotiate and I'm really thoughtful about it now. I'm not wobbly. I'm not wobbly at all. I'm thoughtful about it. And that is because I want to do it on behalf of other women speakers. I do not want to perpetuate the idea that you can pay a woman less or that you can pay a woman for exposure when she's actually giving a whole ton of value because that's not just impacting me. That is impacting the next woman speaker that they talk to and that they negotiate with. And if I am negotiating on behalf of myself and this broader collective of women, they're probably going to be and I stick to it, they're probably going to be a lot more likely to give that next woman her fee as well. So that feels important. It feels important. And it feels like not caving in to the stereotypes of being a woman. And instead, it feels like doing this for all of us for community, for women, for change, for things that are way bigger than you or me. So if that helps you to negotiate, to ask for what you want in any part of your life, use that. Use that. Use that motivation of negotiating on behalf of women everywhere. Know that you are worth it. You are worth it for yourself and you are worth it for the greater community of all of us together, this grounded wildness community of women breaking the rules, breaking the rules and creating change and living in joy and freedom and creating impact because this is what we do together. So you get to do it on behalf of just you and you get to do it on behalf of the greater collective.
They can both be true at the exact same time, and they are both worthy, you and the greater collective. So go out, ask for what you want, because you are worth it. Bye. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, go to heatherwelpley.com to learn more about my books and to hire me as a speaker for your next event. Until next time, keep breaking the rules and living your truth. And most importantly, stay wild. Wild.